Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Steve Schellenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Steve is the number one national best-selling author. He's successfully started 11 businesses in three separate industries. He is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and corporate trainer for organizations around the world, an executive coach, the father of six, and the founder of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Here is Mr. Steve Schallenberger. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners. Wherever you might be in the world today, this is your host, Steve Schallenberger. And today, our guest is a dear friend from Zimbabwe, and his name uh, is Ken Sharp. So welcome, Kim Sharp, with our, uh, to our podcast interview today. Thank you, Steve. We're so glad to have you here. I, I want you to know that this is not going to be just a uh, normal, usual podcast. Uh, this is going to be an extraordinary experience for all of us today. First, a little about Ken. He was born in Zimbabwe uh, during the Civil War, which catapulted him into an era of social change and the birth of cultural integration uh, in the country in which he was raised and loves. Uh, As an entrepreneur, Ken founded the West Group uh, as a food importer in 1991, which is growing today to be a diverse company with its roots in food and beverage. And since 2006, also a real estate investor and property developer, he employs hundreds of people and just does a great job, has a significant organization. His focus is to drive poverty out, to eliminate it, to produce job creation and transformational development. And uh, he's really an inspiration. He's involved with the World Economic Forum, where he represents the Young Presidents Organization. Uh, and uh, so his interests, personal interests, are traveling, cycling, theater, skiing, and relaxing with his family. Uh, he is a private family man, and in 1991 met Lumia, and she is a lovely lady from the Ukraine. They've been happily married for over 22 years. They have a beautiful daughter, Tatiana. And uh, in January 2007, Ken survived a near-death experience while skiing in Canada. And after being in a coma for five days, was given a second chance to live. So, Ken, here we go. Let's just talk about it. Uh, Tell us a little about what it was like being raised in Zimbabwe, and especially during Civil War. What was that like? Well, the good part of it, firstly, is to be alive and There's no more place in the world I'd prefer to be than Zimbabwe where the sun rises every day and shines and the weather is so beautiful and the people have smiles. And that's the biggest asset we've got in our country is the beautiful people, the natural environment and climate and the natural wonders that we have. We have Victoria Falls, one of the seven wonders of the world. Growing up in Zimbabwe was not easy as a kid. Uh, I I was a very shy, uh, inward, introverted kid and didn't have um, many friends. And uh, the black population was not included in our society uh, because of some racial uh, policies in the apartheid government. And that led to 
independence in 1980 and things changing rapidly. And as a young boy, as a seven-year-old boy then, I saw these changes with my own eyes and embraced them and have embraced the culture that I've grown to love and know. Well, I know that you love people of every race and, and background and you're respectful of people. Uh, how did that influence your perspective of other people? That experience? It made me more humble. It helped me realize that being born into privilege doesn't give you the right to be better or superior to others and that every human being deserves a chance to succeed and to prosper in life and to develop themselves and grow. Well, that is, uh, I love that because that's one of the things as one who really thinks a lot about leadership, that's what every great leader does is they see people for what they can become. It's not about color. It's not about religion. And so, uh, Ken, how have you been able to do that? I mean, there's so much prejudice in our world today and people just prejudge and they, you know, have strong opinions. How do, how do we develop that humility? How do we bring out the best in people? How do we make the best of every situation? What's your thoughts about that? Well, I'd like to talk about two things this morning, Steve. The first one, I had to overhear the previous speaker talk about being true to your character. And that's your first principle in your book. And I think that is so true. Integrity and character stands for a lot. But I'd like to talk more about the second one today, which is leading with a vision. And in doing that, my experience that I had was one that was forced upon me. You know, life threw at me this near-death experience where I hit a tree skiing in Canada and my brain was severed from my ear to my jaw, 12,8 centimeters by 6 centimeters. The tear of the dura, dura membrane that held the brain on my skull was ripped apart and rapidly bled, caused 65% of my brain cavity to be filled with blood. The doctors gave me a 2% chance of survival and pretty much wrote me off as a vegetable for the rest of my life, saying I would never walk, talk, or remember again. I had an emergency craniotomy surgery of six hours in Vancouver at Lionsgate Hospital, and there was very little hope left for my family, my wife and daughter of 11 at the time, who waited anxiously whilst I slept in a coma for six days. And the miracle was opening my eyes, I was instantly restored to my life, and not just my life, but had all my faculties back in place. And that humbled me. That made me into the man that I've become. That really tempered me and helped me to appreciate the sweet moments of this life that we take for granted. There are so many beautiful things around us. The very air that we breathe, the very sight that we have, many don't have that privilege. And that's helped me to appreciate in life the things that count the most. The relationships and the experiences we have is what really counts in this life. And we tend to take those things for granted. Oh, my goodness, uh, Ken, I just can't imagine that, what that must have been like. So tell us more about that experience, if you don't mind, and, and how it affects you every day. And how can people put themselves in that place to just be grateful for the life they have today? And how can that influence them? And, and how does it affect your family and your work? It was quite a moving experience, Steve, as I lost my life and realized how vulnerable and fragile I was. It took a couple of hours for them to examine me in the local Whistler hospital. I'd been up skiing in Blackcomb Whistler with my family. And on day three of skiing, uh, surprisingly to myself, this, the instructor said that I was good enough and proficient enough to go off-piste and 
and ski in the powder knee deep. I didn't have a helmet at the time and took one of the turns and hit my head on a tree and I was knocked out. A couple hours later, and I remember coming through, I was in and out of consciousness. And I remember the doctor saying, we can't treat you here in Whistler. We have to transfer you to Vancouver. And they put me in an ambulance and, and transported me to two and a half hours away to the hospital where they could do a, a CAT scan and, and surgery on me. And during that ambulance ride, I remember staring at the ceiling and gradually losing all my senses one at a time. Obviously, I'd been through the pain barrier and could feel no more pain. But as they slipped away from me, my senses, and I began to realize that I was dying the last thing that I can remember was my having my eyesight and just being grateful to look at the, stealing, the ceiling with strangers walking around me and, and, and the darkness enveloping, coming around me, closing in. And at that moment, I realized that I was really dying and I probably wouldn't live. And I just closed my eyes and said, if there's a God, let me keep my eyesight. I'll be happy to be reduced to a wheelchair and be an invalid for the rest of my life. But at that moment, I just held on to the last thing I had, which was my eyesight. Well, what was that like uh, as you're laying there? And, you know, we hear people, I, I've never really met anyone that's had a near-death experience personally, close up. I've read about them in the past. Uh, do you have much of a recollection of what that was like at the time? You know, I don't, Steve. All I can remember was, was dying, was the lights going out and the room getting darker and eventually just a, a small tunnel of light being present, and that was it. After that, I was out. And the next thing I remember was waking up six days later from the coma and the nurse asking me if I knew who I was and where I was and what day it was. And the miracle was that it was just as if a tape recorder had been paused and, and play had been pressed again because the sentence that I was saying when I lost consciousness was, where's my wife? And as I opened my eyes, I repeated the same sentence, where's my wife? And everything came back to me. I don't know where I was. I don't know what happened to me. I didn't see any any lights or have any after-death experiences that I can remember, but I certainly felt different about myself. I felt more emotional. I felt more sensitive. I felt more aware and more responsible to the people that I loved so much. Was your family with you? They were. My wife had to endure six days of pain. She often says, you were with angels in heaven and I was in hell. She, had, she was traumatic. She could hardly speak. My daughter, though, on the other hand, never lost faith. She said, my dad will wake up. He's never missed one of my birthdays, and he'll wake up. And on the 21st of January, I sure woke up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's an amazing gal. Uh, Tatiana is really, really wonderful. Now, what was your recovery like? Well, it was instantaneous. Within, within hours, I was up and about trying to persuade the doctors to let me out of the ICU. They couldn't believe the miracle, so they made me do a a memory test and some physical tests to make sure that I was all there and intellectually and physically I was and they discharged me uh, reluctantly. 48 hours later I went to the Western Bayshore Hotel in Vancouver to recover. They wouldn't let me leave town because they said there were air cavities in my brain and the air needed to dissipate before I could fly again. My ambition was to get on an aeroplane and go to the YPO conference in Toronto to do an event for my chapter as an education officer. <laughs> and they said I was crazy. I couldn't move. So I stayed in Vancouver, and on the second day of recovering, walking around in the Bayshore Park, I was just contemplating, why am I alive? What have I done to deserve this life? Why have I been given a second chance? I didn't feel like a saint, or I didn't feel deserving. In fact, I actually felt quite undeserving. And at that moment, God spoke to me, and he just said that he loved me, and he'd given me back my life for a purpose, 
and nothing was going to happen to me until I did what I was supposed to do in this life. At that moment, I fell on my knees and wept. Wept in humility to know that the life I had was not mine, that I'd been given a second chance and there was nothing that I wouldn't do for the Creator who loved me as a son. At that moment, things did change for me. Things became clearer and the priorities of my life changed. And that leads me to the second part of what I'd like to talk about this morning with leading with a vision. It is so true that a nation without a vision perishes. And in my own life, I have been given a sense of direction and a sense of purpose. I haven't been given clear instructions because I do believe the biggest gift we have in this life is our agency, our freedom to choose. And we get to choose for ourselves how we live our lives. And one of the choices that I made was living a better life, having a clearer purpose, making a difference in the world that I live in. Well, your, um, your experience that you're willing to share, Ken, is so touching, uh, so really introspective. Oh, that every single one of us, every one of the listeners could fall on our knees and have the same experience and be grateful for life. Thank you. You know, Confucius says, our greatest glory is not ever falling, but in rising every time. And our famous leader and beloved president of South Africa, Nelson Mandela, Madiba as he's known by, said often, don't judge me by the number of times that I fall, but by the number of times that I get up. And I believe I got up on my knees that day as a different man. A man that had humility in my heart to be able to accept the things that I could not change. Well, so now that we do that, we, we get up off our knees and uh, we go to work. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> and life throws the challenges at us. and we <laughs> They ne- keep coming. <laughs> and I, I love your saying, never give up, endure to the end. I believe I'm a man that has determination, strength, perseverance, tenacity, resilience, temperance, patience, and humility. And I believe these are the qualities and keys to overcome the trials and tests and tribulations of life that are thrown at us. For there is disappointment, disaster, tragedy, challenges, failures, heartbreak, reputational attacks, letdown, debts, and a complete meltdown of a country. All of these things I've experienced firsthand. And it is really the strength that I have in my faith that helps me to stand true to my character that helps me to continue to see with a vision. Coco Chanel famously said, most who achieve success don't know that failure is inevitable. I enjoyed reading your book recently, Steve. And uh, I must admit that I never thought I'd write a personal vision in two minutes, but your book inspired me so much that I was able to, on a flight uh, not many months ago, in a quiet moment, in two minutes, just write out and articulate my vision, my personal vision, things that I stand for, things that reflect who I am as an individual, things that will help me to see the vision through the dark hours. I do believe that the darkest hour is just before dawn, and I do believe that we need to let our light shine so the world can see us. And your inspiration has helped me to articulate this vision in a really neat way, and I thank you for that. Oh, uh, you bet. Thank you for sharing it. Uh, Ken and I had the opportunity to meet one another in Dubai (laughs) at a global leadership conference a few months ago. Uh, We found out we have a lot of things in common. We share a common faith and uh, and belief, which is dear uh, to both of us. Uh, 
And uh, Ken, thank you for sharing the vision. He sent it to me in a uh, email, and it is totally inspirational. Uh, this is one of the things leaders do, is they have a clear vision for their own life, but also for other areas of their life, because it's what leaders do, organizationally, in their families, etc. And so I appreciate you sharing that, and also your comments about the fact we all have setbacks, we all have challenges, and that it's what we do with them. We need to move forward. We can move forward in faith and perspective. And uh, this is what allows us to achieve, really become our best. And it's not about comparing ourselves against others. It's, it's being what we're able to be our very best ourselves. And this is noble and it's good. And it brings peace and strength in our lives. And, and, uh, and it also helps have better relationships and well, all right, Ken, it's been so good having you here. You've, you're going to continue to be a tremendous leader in our world, in your country, uh, and in other ways. Uh, if we were just sitting here and you wanted to give some final advice, and it might even be to Tatiana or your grandchildren or best friends, what would it be? Thank you, Steve. I'll phrase it as a pearls of wisdom and the little nuggets, and literally, I'm sure you, many of you don't know that a simple grain of sand is insignificant and common, but when placed in a mollusk, it irritates and creates a trial for that mollusk. Every time the mollusk is aggravated, it coats the grain in a coating, and thus the common and insignificant becomes beautiful and unique. They become pearls, and those pearls shine, and who would guess that they started out their life as a simple grain of sand? Likewise, diamonds begin their life as ordinary pieces of carbon, and after extreme pressure, heat, and time, even millions, and some say billions of years in Zimbabwe, where I come from, they become valuable and precious gems. Gold is purified and refined only when heated to a state where it is molten. Even though some of us start out of as granules of sand, pieces of carbon, when we accept the trial and adversity that life throws at us with humility and patience, we too can become gems and refined gold. I coined this saying, Steve, and this is the words I'd like to leave you with. It's the five P's, and they're not the five P's of marketing. <laughs> they're the five P's of life. Patience and perseverance in persecution leads to progression and in the end, perfection. Oh, this has been uh, a podcast that I personally will go back and listen to a number of times. I appreciate your example and your inspiration, your humility and your faith, uh, your love for your family and your country and wanting to do good. So it's been a pleasure having you with us today, Ken. Thank you, my dear friend and brother, Steve. Okay, you bet. Now, I know people, our listeners would love to uh, just kind of stay in touch with what you're doing. Is there a website or any place they can go to know about what you're doing? So you can go to www.kenshop.net or email me, ken at westfoods.net. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And uh, for our listeners, uh, this concludes our Becoming Your Best podcast today. And remember, wherever you are, you can make a difference every single day. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, with Becoming Your Best. Thank you. 
And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We want to know what your big takeaways were, so head on over to becomingyourbest.com and you can find all the information about the podcast right there as well as the show notes page where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating and review. A rating and review is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.